Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Matt Harmon. Uh, we've got a great guest on today. Um, somebody that uh, we were talking before we started recording. Somebody that he, he and I have followed each other for quite a long time. I've seen his career blossom and develop from you know a little a little speck to uh, something that's really big and uh, great to observe. Now um, today we're joined by Kyle Krabs from NDT Scouting. Kyle, how are you doing today? Matt, uh, I'm doing very well. It's uh, it's nice to kind of circle back around, come full circle from uh, 50 followers each, and uh, here we are with some a little bit bigger platforms to deal with. Uh, I'm still as- aspiring to to reach your level, but uh, you know, to each their own. Some of us can't mm. reach stardom quite as quickly as others. Oh well, I don't know about stardom. Uh, as I don't know about stardom, as I sit here and talk to you from my uh, from my elite recording studio in my bedroom of my Los Angeles apartment. But things are, things are going well for for me. But they're also going really well for you. You know, the draft is uh, depending on when people listen to this, like probably ten days out, something like that. So I imagine this is somewhat the calm before uh, before the storm for you, especially after coming down from all the draft work you do. But before we get into what you've made uh, of your career here, um, I kind of want to circle back to even the beginning, beginning stages and find mm-hmm. out, Kyle, um, what kind of got you into into football in such an intense fashion? Sure. Well, um, when I was growing up, I was in central Pennsylvania, uh, and I went to a school that lived there. I mean, their football program was – everything. We got new jerseys for the football team before we got new textbooks. It was like, put the cart before the horse, not quite on like the, the Texas insanity level of, of the Midwest, but uh, uh, th- this program, well, if you wanted to be a football player, uh, you came in before homeroom and you had weightlifting uh, prior to school. Your homeroom uh, as an underclassman football player was in the weight room, and then you had elective weightlifting for first period. So you're spending two and a half hours before you go to your first actual class in a high school setting, uh, training and lifting and, and being around the guys on your team. And I was never really uh, an exceptional athlete. And everything that I was able to do, I started two years, was based on uh, maximizing uh, a limited physical capacity and you know, it, me deciding mentally it was something that I wanted to do is I want to start for this program and doing that and the work that it took to get into that really kind of instilled in me um, a lot. I see a lot of parallels in myself now and what I have to do now to make a niche for myself than what I had to do back then is just to 
you know, the kind of pudgy kid that, that wanted to play defensive end and had to, to scratch and claw for everything he got. Right. Well, I mean, so it kind of is that consummate like, well, this football thing in terms of playing might not necessarily be a career, but obviously then you later on in life kind of made the decision to uh, to start this massive undertaking of a project. And if anyone out there is not familiar with Kyle's work, um, you really should be. It's it's fantastic stuff. He puts out a, a prospectus every year, I think pretty much every year since um, – I've, since I started following you, we started following each other like back in 2013. Uh, so the 2014 class was that your first one, first one doing this? Yep, yep. So it's uh, it's uh, 12,028 prospects since 2014. I've done full assessments on. Yeah, and and we'll dig into the prospectus later, so you can uh, appropriately pump that stuff out there. This this podcast is very pro self promotion. Um, but w- before that, like, so what made you want to uh, to jump into this this undertaking of NDT scouting? Yeah, so when I kind of the segue between playing and something else was my senior year. I had a couple opportunities to go play at small schools like. IUP, which is in Western Pennsylvania or Kutztown. And, um, those didn't get a chance to manifest themselves. Cause I, I had actually had a back injury. Um, and I was walking around at the start of our senior season at 220, and I graduated at 175, just total mm. atrophy, lost a, a ton of muscle mass. And, uh, nobody wants a, a walk on defensive end at 175 pounds at the college level. Sorry. It's just, it's not the way it works. So I kind of based my school decisions off of that. And, you know, I felt like I wasn't done with the game. So I coached for several years and then coaching with balancing at a, at a high school level with the rigors of a college, um, schedule, just the work life balance was not there. And I kind of asked myself, okay, what's the next step? Like I'm, I'm not done with the game. I'm not prepared to try and put myself in a position to play again, and I can't coach. And so, so naturally, the ne- the next kind of step was okay. Well, let's let's watch football players and, and become a student of the game and and try to learn as much about the game and players and identify good players. And uh, that passion rode out for about two or three years before I even started. The blog, NFL Draft Tracker, which was where NDT comes from, I was a tiny little blog spot page, and uh, I wrote on that thing probably twice a day for um, probably three or four months before it was like, okay, well, like let's try and formalize this and try and do a draft guide, and uh, that was kind of the catalyst for it was the injury going all the way back to high school. Right, yeah, just that sort of feeling of – I'm not yeah, I'm not quite done with the game yet. Even maybe the game is not quite done with me. There's something about football that like once it sinks its claws into you, mm-hmm. uh it's it's a little hard to to get out, I would say. Yeah, that it's definitely um I I can't explain it. it it's just once I became involved with it, I always knew it was going to be something and and not necessarily from a Oh, I want to play this. I kind of knew like playing for the rest of my life is never going to be in the cards. But uh, that passion was, you know, I'd be sitting in in class thinking about the playbook or I'd be sitting in college class thinking about, OK, now with the way I'm trying to do a, a player evaluation model, um, I'm applying the statistics that I'm learning in class and not actually applying them to the curriculum. I'm applying it in my head to uh, what I've tried to do with 
how I evaluate players now with a, a statistical background. Yeah, I mean, for clarification on my end, too, like I've played uh, the same amount of uh, NFL or football snaps as my dog, which is zero. So, <laughs> you know, I've, I've never I've never actually played the game in any sort of organized sense ever. Um, but it's funny. I think football, like not only does it satisfy like maybe some real under undercurrent, like primal uh, instincts of, of our human nature, but also just like like you said, I think the way that you can apply it to other methodologies whether it's uh you know charting games or you know getting a statistical model out there or some of the stuff that you do it, it really can like fire off multiple parts of your brain i think yeah it's a, it's a stimulus that checks you know to borrow the scouting term checks a lot of boxes for sure and that's for me has always been uh how i stay connected to the game now is uh, i will audibly laugh out loud if i'm watching a player in public and they do something that I just love. It's just, I can't control it. It's, it's just like, and, and I will get like, I'm sitting in Starbucks or, or Panera bread or whatever else is on the main line here and in, in the Villanova area. And, and you know, the, I'll get some soccer moms turn around and give me a dirty look. Cause I'm like laughing out loud and I'm rewinding it. And, um, j- just total connection to the game. And it's, it's, just become such a big part of who I am and and how I want to take things from here. So I, I kind of want to just just jump in there because what you just said brought uh, brought kind of a funny image, like you said. So you actually like watch game film or like whatever at at a public place like a Starbucks or a Panera. Yeah, I'll get like cabin fever if I sit in my apartment and I'm in here too long. Like I know I get restless and I've got temptations here. I got junk food. Mm-hmm. I got. Know, the dog i've got my playstation 4 so it's like all right is this once i've kind of find my mind wandering and i can't refocus it's pack things up we'll go sit somewhere we'll get a cup of coffee we're gonna sit somewhere and we're gonna take away all that external stimulus and you're just gonna sit there and you're gonna do what you've you've quoted yourself that you have to do today interesting because for me i can't imagine like charting reception perception games <laughs> at like a starbucks or panera i mean i I have like an office to work from when I'm working with NFL. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's a little different. Although, and if, and then if I'm doing any charting work, I'm doing it at home. But I do like write at a at a Panera or Starbucks. But I guess I just have never. Uh, well, I never go to never go to Panera because whatever. But um, there's like a coffee bean up the road from me that has like a nice outdoor seating, and I'll go right there. But I can't imagine like actually watching game film. I don't know. Just found that fascinating that the 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 juxtaposition there that I would never do something like that, but that's interesting. Um, maybe interesting only to me. So let's let's ask you a question that might actually interest the um, the people listening here. So, I, I kind of in the early stages of NDT Scout or back when it was National Draft or NFL Draft Tracker, um, mm-hmm. and I I do remember when that was your that was your 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 brand there. But what was kind of the approach you took to it in terms of like was it just did you always think it would be a hobby or was the goal to like like you said launch your own draft guide originally or was it maybe catch on with the team or were you just kind of open to anything oh it was i was 110 percent all in on i want to work for an nfl franchise i want to be in a front office and uh that first year you know i i did the writings for uh probably two and a half three months and then that january i went down to uh, the Shrine game, and I'm just this, you know, wide-eyed, kind of mouth agape, uh, walking around with NFL personnel. I got these, like, meek little packets that in hindsight, it's like, man, you, you were nowhere near ready. You should have had, like, 
I would I would only now feel good about taking my stuff that I've done historically to somebody in a front office and saying, hey, here's my portfolio. And um, you know, I actually have had some some very interesting conversations with NFL uh, front office individuals who have either found me or I've ran into at games because I do a lot of credentialed games and um, they, they've stumbled across it somewhere or another and asked me questions and I, I've made some nice contacts that way. But uh, that was really the only time I ever, you know, I've gone to the Senior Bowl the last two years. I went to the NFL Combine this year. Um, it's the only time I ever took a packet and was like, hey, look at my work. Tell me what you think. You know, this is what I want to do. And um, as it's gone, just all the doors that have opened up uh, have taken me other directions, and it's made me much more receptive to uh, whatever opportunities come. You know, it's so hard to get any opportunity in here, especially when you're self-made and uh, you, you didn't intern with with so and so's athletic program or football team, or you weren't an equipment manager. And uh, so, when the opportunities come, you know, kick the door down, and, and that's kind of been. Ever since that first draft guide came and went, uh, that was my um, point of view. Because the entire reason I branded as not just Kyle Krabs is somebody could read Kyle Krabs and say, "Well, who the hell is Kyle Krabs?" They don't. Uh, that means nothing to people. So it was trying to to mold and brand myself with something that was recognizable as I did it more and more, uh, so that people would hear NDT scouting and say, "Oh, that's the guy with uh, the layered." Uh, player evaluation tool or or he's the one that missed all Mike Evans back in 2014 or whatever it is and um, since then it's kind of become more of an umbrella uh, but that was the original catalyst for the branding of what it was and and my initial motivations was you know, I was all in on you know I want to be a general manager someday I want to you know start as a scout and go from there I'm glad you brought up the Mike Evans story because we are going to talk uh, about. Of course that. we are. <laughs> we're definitely going. To, we're definitely going to discuss that. But before before we do that, um, I, I want to again kind of hit on this point because I, I think some people don't really understand how different of a job being kind of a, a media scout versus an actual NFL scout is. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of those differences in in your mind without actually having had held an, a draft position, but just from or with a team? What 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 do you what do you imagine the differences are? Uh, the first and immediate response to that is if you're evaluating from an external perspective, a you have to understand that there is a mental side to each and every one of these players that you are probably never going to see and never understand. You have less than half the resources of any NFL team out there. Uh, all you know is what's put out there in public, or if you happen to make a couple friends that will give you a couple nuggets, um, that's what you're working with. And try uh, to take the nuggets that you do get um, and try not to let them influence you too much because you're not getting that level of information flow for everyone. And the other thing that stands out is when you're watching positions specifically – understanding that a team is watching the same player with the frame of this is how we want to run our team. This is the kind of plays we want to have and knowing you're looking at it from, this is what I think a player at this position should look like. So scoring somebody outside of the structure of your scheme and, and what your defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, uh, how they want to play the game and how they want to dictate the pace of play 
and if they want to be a smash mouth, like Leonard Fournette's a perfect example where this year, if you're a, a gap power running team, you're going to love Leonard Fournette. Uh, but stylistically for me, I like guys that can create a little bit more at the line of scrimmage. So Fournette didn't necessarily score as high for me as teams that are running power schemes. So understanding that difference and then trying to vocalize that and, and properly express that is the biggest conflict that I, I run into on a consistent basis. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, although one thing I always think about with this, and, and it's not always necessarily the case because so much of getting NFL jobs, as you mentioned, is based on relationships. So you might, if you're a scout, you might tend to follow um, the same coach around or the same sort of personnel people around it and end up working the same sort of systems. But, you know, if you're, a, if you're an NFL scout too, you can't necessarily just get circled in on one evaluation point because, you know, if the Eagles fire you and then the Browns want to hire you, and the Browns run a completely dis- different scheme. You got to kind of learn to write left-handed after writing right-handed for for three years. I, I guess would would be the way I'd compare that. Well, it's interesting. I I have a colleague, an acquaintance that that recently went through an interview with an NFL team for a scouting position, and he he sat down, and uh, the interview was they had him watch a player, note a player, and then they said, okay, tell us what your notes are. And he started to talk about, you know, he would be best fit for X scheme based on A, B, and C. And they cut him off and they said, we don't want to know about scheme. We want to know specifically what can and what can't he do from a functional athleticism and football perspective. Where We want to know, can he block? Can he block X? Can he block Y? And they, they it seems like the NFL tries to cut that. Uh, context out of what some of their base level uh, scouts are being asked to do. And they make it really rudimentary and elementary. And uh, for me, from my perspective, maybe that's why some of these teams struggle the way they do, because they're not indoctrinating their scouts with, you're scouting for this scheme. Hmm. So it's getting the crossover between the scouts looking for baseline level traits and then passing that on to the coaching staff and the the head people in the front office. And this, again, this is what my understanding is of the flow of information throughout NFL front offices. And, and that's kind of the hierarchy where if you're just a base level scout, you're really just a grunt. You're looking at, okay, they, they want to know, they might give you a couple priority traits, but you can just interchange the traits as you need to, if you shift to a different team and you know, you're, you're scouting running backs and, they want to know can can he run in the a gaps versus okay can can he run outside zone uh, that's not necessarily what they're looking for they're looking for are his feet quick can he change directions with suddenness can he does he run his feet on contact so it's an interesting dynamic between the information you would assume they collect the information they probably do collect and then how that kind of gets lost with passing that information up through the chain of command i imagine there's a lot of inefficiencies within nfl front offices that we don't have uh, as you mentioned don't have privy to don't have a lot of uh, access to but that game of telephone that you talked about has to be right up near the top in terms of like the people watching probably watching the most film and getting the most intimate hands-on knowledge 
of these players are really not the ones making the decisions. They're passing information up, and I'm sure GMs obviously grind a lot of tape too, especially you know guys like Dave Gettleman who seem to that seems to kind of be what what they're all about. But at the same time, you know, I think a lot of it is is that information gathering process. So kind of flipping to the media side, which obviously you've now made a home in in this space. What have been some of the advantages that you did or did not expect about being kind of like a, a, a media outside scout? Sure. Uh, being where I am now, uh, the opportunity to uh, work immediate, essentially immediately with a team of guys. We've we've built a group of, of six guys and you know, corresponding with them. And I'm encouraging each one of them to do their own independent assessments and then kind of double back around. And we get some pretty lively debates as far as what we see in a player and what we don't see in a player. It's a pleasant surprise to be able to have that element with a group of guys and eyeballs that I I respect, even if I don't always agree with, that I, I never really thought that I would have. Um, but strictly speaking from player assessment on the outside uh it gives me oh there's sophie making her debut on back room or backyard banner uh <laughs> it's all good that's yeah she's uh she's just jealous of charlie's social media following oh uh, well listen that's a lot to be that's a lot to be jealous of that is a lot to be jealous of uh this that yeah i i get it not many dogs can reach that level but that has a lot to do with how uh obnoxious their owners are and and charlie happens to come with a very obnoxious uh very openly sharing owner so don't 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 let her be too jealous about it no no comment so uh <laughs> do doing the player assessment on the outside uh the freedom to pick like Last year, I went to Miami for a game. I went to Iowa for a game, watched Michigan get knocked off by the Hawkeyes, um, did a bunch of backyard games, went to Navy, Rutgers, uh, got a chance to go to West Virginia three years running, and, and getting really selective as compared to, quote-unquote, going out on assignment uh, has been one of my favorite parts of this opportunity and uh, getting out and getting to meet coaches and personnel and, and broadcast individuals that are there for the games and uh, had a couple opportunities to sit next to scouts in the box and they're looking at me and they're like who the heck are you like why are you sitting next to me like it's all cfl and nfl guys here on the top row and uh just the opportunity to network and, and talk in that way and get feedback from people and show people my work and, and that that whole collective information gathering process as a media person that I know I probably would not have. I'd be going to you know a bunch of one double a schools and uh, you might get a, a big game here and here and again, but uh, by and large, it's that grind of every time you go to a game, uh, you're not guaranteed to see something worthwhile where uh, I know I'm getting good networking and I'm seeing players that are exciting players and have the chance to play at the next level. It's one of my favorite parts. No, there's there's no question about that. Um, so back in the beginning stages of NDT scouting, kind of let's 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 kind of follow the progression of how this thing has built into into what it is today. So the early stages, what what were those days like? You know, what kind of what kind of work are you putting in? Obviously, you you launched in 2013, and then that 2014 draft, you turn around and put out a put out the the first year of the prospectus. Was it even called the prospectus then, or has it always been that? Has that always been the title? It's been years. It, I can't really remember. It was actually just a draft guide back ah. in the day. So 2014 was a draft guide, and we've had three renditions of the prospectus since. 
Uh, at the time, I was working in corporate fitness. I had a job that was essentially a nine to five where you'd go and uh, you're responsible for running a, um, a fitness facility. And here's hoping my uh, former boss never listens to Backyard Banner. Um, I was an, a solo employee and my boss was remote out of state. Now, in corporate fitness, uh, folks would come in before work, at the lunch hour, and after work. So with my regularly scheduled uh, traffic flow, quote-unquote, through the gym, uh, I really only had two and a half hours of actually interacting with people. The rest was kind of just minding the fort. So I would bring my laptop in and sit down, and uh, I'd load stuff up on a flash drive and plug that bad boy in and uh, watch from start to finish, and I'd start writing notes. And you know, at work on the clock, I would probably – uh, hammer out three or four scouting reports throughout the course of the day. And then I'd go home and uh, have dinner and, you know, watch until probably 11, 12 o'clock at night and then go to bed and do it all over again. Well, I mean, listen, Kyle, the admitting of doing fake work while actually working, you're in good company here in the podcast. Many people have, have discussed that. And also, uh, yours, yours truly over here. I've charted back when I was working in group homes and in, in like 2014, especially 2013, 2014, especially those were the early stages of charting wide receivers during night shifts mm-hmm. or evening shifts. So it happens. And that's part, I mean, that is a big part of like starting independently, something small, um, you know, you got li- there's limited time to the day, and if you want to have any sort of life outside of work, and f- then f- then quote unquote fake work too, like that, uh, that's got to be part of it, right? And um, it- it's funny because I-, I always think back. I can remember two or three instances on Thursday night games. It was that 2013 season. Uh, I had friends you know, call me up on a Thursday night and ask me to go out, and I actually told them no, I don't want to go out to happy hour. I don't want to go out to the bar because I'm getting ready to watch a Mac game on TV. And those guys never let me live it down for two years until they kind of saw the progression of what I was doing. And then they kind of understood. So I was even surpassing the social aspect. I mean, I pretty much, if I wasn't at the quote unquote office, uh, I was walled up that first year because it was, you know, finally it was something that I could control my schedule with. I had all the control as far as what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, how I wanted to tackle it. And I had these uh, grand visions for this draft guide that I was trying to make happen and had never done it before. I had no idea. And um, I just totally, for the definitely for the first year, I just totally dove in and kind of walled myself off just because it was it was exciting on one hand and it was another thing that I knew if I wanted to do something that people were going to care about and pay attention to I had to do something different because how many people do you see each and every year that whether it's fantasy football on your side of things uh, before you reach the platform that you're at or just football analysis of the draft or whatever that kind of they jump in on social media, which is so easy to get into. You just create an account and you start writing down your thoughts. And people come and go every single year. So why should anybody care what I have to say? So it was once I made the decision and I, I wanted to really work on a process and you know, a style of, of scouting players that had some context to it. And that's what, what was going to be my niche. Uh, I spent 
a good amount of nights just sitting down and playing with numbers and playing with, you know, the weights on, you know, what I was factoring in and how much I was factoring in for players at every position and trying to find the balance. And realistically, it was kind of all moot that first year. It was, it wasn't until you had a full like class go through it that I was able to finally see how it fleshed out and say, okay, this needs to change for this position. And that that's this category inflated your position in this regard. And, you know, maybe I didn't value this enough in Y position. And it, it just really was, uh, that first year was just a ton of trial and error, but it didn't stop me from just totally engulfing myself in it and trying to really dedicate myself to something that was going to stand out because I knew if anybody was going to care – that was why they were going to care, right? Because nobody's going to care about a guy with 20 followers chirping off about what they think about a player. A lot of what you said there is just, for one, so relatable to, I think, a lot of people in the business, but also really great advice. Like, your friends, by and large, are not going to get it. Uh, you know, yeah. th like, that is, that's so true, and I don't, like... No doubt, a lot of them be like, oh, cool, you got a blog like writing about football. Nice, that's awesome. I like football. But then, yeah, when you're passing up like happy hours or passing up events, you know, to, 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 to quote unquote blow off steam when you're not at your real job, um, that's going to be weird. A lot of people aren't going to yeah. get that because, frankly, a lot of people don't have that, that kind of drive about something that has to start out as a passion. Um, you know, that's not something, and this is something that we talk about on this show. I feel like we've said it a lot more in season two than we did in season one, um, that some people just aren't made for this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's, um, again, going back to how many people do you see jump in and out? Oh, yeah. It's, it's such an exhausting field to try and carve yourself an area for because there's, it's so diluted to a certain degree. That, you know, some people will jump in and they'll they'll think they want it and they do it and they realize, wow, this sucks. Like this, this is a lot more time than I thought it was for it to be worth my while. And you'll see people fizzle out after a year. And um, and that's not it, necessarily a bad thing either. Like, not at all. You know, because no. a lot of this is bizarre and crazy to do, you know, like I told if somebody tries their hand at this and they're like, hey, this is just too much work. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is. <laughs> it's a lot to put yourself into. Well, and I remember you know, I was just on uh, Twitter earlier tonight when we were recording this, and uh, somebody had asked Matt Miller from Bleach Report, like, how do I get to this platform? And he said, A, be prepared to work for either nothing or next to nothing, X, Y, and Z. And then finally the last one was get lucky. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's – how many people with if you wait if you wait until you're in your mid-20s and I was lucky that I kind of had the bug from an earlier time even though I didn't start NDT until I was uh, 20 24 um, if you wait until that long and you realize oh I have to put like 50 60 hours into this but I have student loans and I have to pay my bills and I, I can't commit that kind of time to that outside of a full-time job. So it was probably for me a combination of being lucky that I had a job that had some flexibility that I could steal some of that time. Yep. And, and then just being indoctrinated with – I kind of knew it was what I wanted to do from an earlier time than what I actually moved and tried to make it happen. Yeah, right. I mean you and I are about the same age. I think you're like a couple years older than me or something like that. But um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is very much – 
timing and age too. Cause I mean, I'm, you know, 25 now. Uh, I can't imagine like then, uh, even, even at this point in my life, like hypothetically being three to four years into like the real world and working like then trying to start out at the beginning or whatever. I mean, based on when I actually did start at a much younger time. So, and you know, God forbid too, you got like a family or kids or something right. like that. I mean, that's a whole nother variable. So a lot of it, I mean, Matt Miller is right. And he's been on the show before too. Like a lot of it is luck and timing i mean i'm very lucky to have my job but there's a lot of people that could have this uh, position but the universe has, has smiled on me but the universe has certainly smiled on you too kyle with your, with the success that you've had and kind of jumping from the first draft guide release uh you mm -hmm. mentioned you learned a lot from that and how has the process kind of changed and evolved since the draft guide in in 2014 to what what we're doing now with the 2017 prospectus Sure. Uh, the shift has come away from the the metric side and come back to a more film centric uh, piece. Uh, I've I, for anybody who's not necessarily familiar, uh, the way I I had done con and conducted assessments for the first three years was I did a film score, which is your film assessment looks at ten specific traits at, at any given position, ranked from what I think are most important to least important. Uh, and then I'll do uh, a size measurement, which is a historical context uh, score based on you know, players that have come through the draft process in the past decade or so. Athleticism, which is another historical context score, uh, done the same way, or where each position gets three or four or five uh, athletic tests that I feel are most indicative of success for and required for success at the next level. And it's historically speaking, okay, how did this player do? versus this data pool of players at the same position in that time window. Uh, and then I'll have an experience score, which looks at how many games they started, if they were a captain, and a production score for everything except for offensive linemen. So the big changes since that 14 to 17 is the weights have all shifted probably another 15 to 20% back towards film. I'm trying to let the film study, and, and I'm trusting my eye more the more I do it to be able to say, okay, I'm going to set the tier for the, the what quality of player this is based off what I think of them on film. And then I'm going to use the, the metrics as a foil and a checks and balances for myself as compared to really drastically shifting some of the players. Like Jarvis Landry is a perfect example from 2014. I gave him a first-round film grade, and he was awful in – Everything else, he was smaller, he was slow, uh, not especially productive, and I believe he was a two-year starter. So when it was all said and done, he ended up getting dragged down to like a fourth-round grade. And I go back and I run his numbers now, and he scored as a late two, which is right around where he got actually got drafted and is much more indicative of what I think his value as a player is uh, at the NFL level. Uh, so shifting back towards more towards film, trusting my film and using the other metrics as a checks and balances and uh, preventing myself from getting wrapped up in biases that I might catch on film is the primary change. And the other thing I've done is I've normalized uh, my athletic testing, where in, in years past it was two separate scores of size and athleticism. Now those are combined into one score. It's a physical size and athleticism rating, a PSAR, and that's based on how big you are, how explosive and athletic are you, 
and that is one score as compared to two scores. So that's kind of where I drew some of that extra weight back into uh, where I, I value the film assessments. Right. And, you know, I've got the twenty uh, the 2017 perspectives pulled up now. I mean, it's great stuff. If anybody out there is not familiar with it, definitely, you know, you got to check it out. You know, and like I said, NDTscouting.com. You can find Kyle on Twitter uh, and like you got to get this thing because it's it's really I mean, not only is the work exhaustive, but you've got some differing opinions there, too. I mean, you know, I see a wide receiver uh, uh, that's ranked at wide receiver, two that you don't see ranked there very often. We mentioned Leonard. You, you could say Taewon Taylor. It's OK. okay well, I don't know how much you want me to give away or not. But, I mean, you've got <laughs> no, Taewon. You've got Taewon Taylor up at wide receiver, too. You've got, you know, you've got Malachi Dupree at wide receiver six, which is outrageous. But we won't debate that on this show. But uh, I, in, along with, like you said, the Leonard Fournette evaluation, that's a unique one that you have there, too. And so how do you deal with kind of when your process gives differing opinions than uh, than what the consensus is? And we can kind of bleed that back to the Mike to the Mike Evans story that uh, from, sure. from 2014. But yeah. first, just what a great story. It's a great story. But first, just generally answer kind of the, the the like speak on the on the process of like what happens when when your grades or your your evaluations show something different than the consensus. How do you deal with that? Well, I'll frame present day before we go back because what I do now is I do you know, about a hundred seniors uh, the summer prior. And I'll do some base level work. I'll watch three or four games and just kind of have a tier on where, what I think of that player going in. And then throughout the course of the season, I'll watch the games. I'll be writing names down. I'll be collecting, paying attention to names that I'm seeing people that I respect sharing on social media. But I'll try to really avoid reading any specific content on players and and mock drafts and big boards and then we finalized the the board with the 100 seniors i had done prior uh the east west shrine and the senior bowl rosters and the underclassmen declarations and that's that's how i get my watch list of 300 players and i do not read a single group of rankings mock drafts or big boards until i am done my entire slate of 300 Uh, and that's where it's fun for me in that when I get done, I come back and I start reading what other people have thought. And some of it's inevitable. You're going to catch wind of uh, Jeremiah or Matt Miller. Or, right. right. You, you'll catch some of that noise on social media. But actually going through and reading the full-fledged opinions and why they think what they think, um, I avoid all that until I'm done. And then it's it's fun for me to see, okay, by and large, you can tell this is the the group of players that everybody – sees and this is somebody I saw differently for better or somebody I saw differently for worse. And anytime I put a take out there on social media, uh, that's kind of the flag that flies up when you get a lot of kickback on an opinion on somebody. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, the, the, the general narrative or the op- general opinions on this player must not be in line uh, with what I saw. And there's, there's a lot of that uh, even this year with, with names like Eddie Jackson. I would, I, I think his 2015 tape, uh, was tremendous. And I, I scored him as a first round caliber player and everybody's telling me he's a third round guy and, um, had no clue. It was just, you know, I, I just assumed nobody was talking about him because he had broke his leg and everyone was out of sight, out of mind, but things like that kind of creep up. And, uh, that first year, let's talk about Mike. Um, yes, let's, let's talk about that. So, so the miss with Mike was centered around, I had a couple reservations about 
his style of play and how it would translate and really took for granted uh, how physical he was and how crafty he was with how physical he was you know, on his route stems and down the field. And I said, oh, he doesn't run you know, sharp breaking patterns and his feet look heavy when he's trying to work back from the top of his stem. And uh, he's, he's pushing off of guys and he, you can't play that way at the next level. They'll call that. Well, turns out I was wrong about just about everything about that opinion. And um, I was very loud and, and boisterous about it. And that's one thing I, I tried to learn my lesson from after I ate my crow with that. And anytime anybody brings it up, there's a couple people that still have me blocked on Twitter for that take back in 2014. <laughs> um, so I, I took my lumps with that and I learned my lesson from that. And um, I have my opinions. If somebody asks me my opinion, I will share my opinion. But I, I don't – I try not to go for the – the grabby hot take anymore because that was um, what I did that first year. And I think some of it was centered around, okay, I'm new to this. I'm trying to get attention. I'm trying to get people to understand that I'm, I'm trying to do something different. So uh, I have these reservations about Mike and uh, I'm going to make it really known. And uh, the, the person who put me most in my place was Mike. Mm. Um <laughs> I had had shared something and said, this is why I, I don't think Mike Evans is worth a first-round pick. And Mike simply responded and said, who cares? <laughs> and I still have it screenshotted on my phone, and, and every year it comes up on one of my friends. Uh, they have the time hop app, and they text it to me every year. They say, ah. happy Mike Evans Day. Yeah, that's that's yep. good stuff. So what uh... – what like kind of eval like what grade would value round value did you give uh, Mike Evans back then? Mike this is, was this is a safe space. Don't worry. Yeah, well, no, it's all right. I'm, I'm prepared for. I'm got my my shields up anyway. Um, Mike was 123 on the board. I gave him a fourth round value mm. as a player. Yeah, it's a, so I was probably uh, about three rounds too low, and and probably uh, 110 spots too low on the board. But it's funny. You, you, the important part of the story is that there's a lot of lessons that come out of there, and I'm I'm glad you were kind of already sorted to kind of hint at that. Uh, one of which, you know, Mike himself asked, "Who cares?" And we you talked about that earlier about how it's it's hard to get noticed. But I think sometimes we, even if it's subconscious, because you know I don't think many people get into this business and like think right away like I'm just going to be the hot take guy and I'm going to get noticed because of my hot takes. But sometimes it happens kind of subconsciously like and especially just not even necessarily the take but the uh volume at which you yeah. or repetitive or repetitiveness at which you yeah. articulate the take that like you do it because that's i mean that is how people get noticed sometimes and there's some temptation to do it that way right and that's exactly what in in hindsight i look back and and look at how i handled that opinion and i was very bullish on it and you know i didn't even want to talk about it i was like no nah, you guys are wrong it's i this is the way i see it and he just doesn't he doesn't run a polished route and you know sometimes he doesn't catch the ball clean with his hands and you, know, you still see that from time and again and you know i know he had some drop issues this past year but you can't argue with that production mm -hmm. and you can't argue with what he's done the first three years he's been in the league he's been one of the best wide receivers in the league so uh, just, just, and and that's the line I've kind of tried to draw with myself. Like for me, I'm not especially high on John Ross this year, but I, I'm not bludgeoning people over the head saying, "I, you guys are idiots if you are going to take John Ross with a top 20 pick." No, I, I personally don't see the value 
there, uh, but I'm much more receptive to, you know, somebody asks me, hey, who are your top five wide receivers? I'll say them. And then somebody asked me, what, where's John Ross? I don't see John Ross here. And that, then that's when I'll kind of elaborate, but I won't be bullish about it. I won't uh, be condescending about it because that first year for me was very much uh, that quote unquote, welcome to the business. You know, the first time you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in trouble. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I mean, you know, we all, we all have lessons to learn. And I think the the one thing too, is just like, yeah, nobody like what, what's really the point of being like the vocally negative person about one prospect? Cause there's so many right. ways that there's so many ways that that can go wrong and come back to bite you in the ass. And it can really <laughs> come back to be beneficial. Like what is really the, the agenda there that's positive? Sure. And there's there. I mean, there's a number of players this year that are being talked about as potential first round targets that, you know, I, I'm not on board with at all. But uh, in years past, I, or that especially that first year, I probably would have written an article and saying this is why so and so is not worth a first round pick. And it's just I'll let my rankings be reflective of that. I'll let my my work and my scouting report be out there. And again, if people ask, I'll share my opinions. But uh, to go out of my way when I've got you no, know, especially now with such a an outstanding platform that I've been set up with to share my opinions. I'm going to take my time to write something negative about a player. I forget who it was, but somebody had the saying, if you, if you want to know what I think about a player and you don't hear me talking about him, it probably tells you what you need to know. So if I'm not going out of my way to, to openly discuss a player, it means I'm probably not especially high on that prospect in general. That's a really uh, that's a really good way of saying it. I, I don't know if I have ever heard that, but it makes a lot of uh, a lot of sense. So, Kyle, I mean, that's a that is a really great story for uh, for people that are just starting out uh, if they're trying to kind of get their their foot in the door or, their, or just even just how to handle your business. Um, but you've obviously, like you said, you've gotten to a much larger platform uh, at this point. You know, much 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 more of a social media following. You know, you're, you're hooked on with a few sites. You you're kind of building your own team there too with with NDT scouting beyond just you. When when did you kind of start to see the winds change a little bit? It was uh, December 2015. I remember it exactly because uh, I had been doing some work with Draft Breakdown at the time. And the, the staff or the team that was there as far as the, the analyst for Draft Breakdown was Brian Perez, who's the, uh, the co-owner of the site currently. Uh, myself and Joe Marino was the other big one. And Joe and I, you know, when we talk players, he seemed to really be intrigued with how I conduct assessments. And we had some lively debates and uh, getting on Google Hangouts back when that was a thing. That was not fun. Um, and, and just that that whole time window, that, that draft season in 2015, spent a lot of time working closely with Joe and um, had kind of decided then and there uh, that – the avenues for making it in media were much more realistic for me than making it in the pros and getting hooked on with a team. Uh, so I had approached Joe and asked him if he had wanted to do some some casual work together. And uh, you know, the prospectus had always been my baby, and NDT was you know essentially just an alias for myself. So I really struggled with that first one and opening the doors for that to say okay, here's an opportunity where I can see a fit for somebody to come on and, and supplement what I do. And I was initially very protective in saying, you know, nothing is NDT Scouting's rankings or NDT Scouting's big board. It's 
Joe Marino's and, and Kyle Krabs and put your name on it because I, it had always, for me, just been you know, this is essentially my working resume to to get recognized by a team. So once that hurdle, I, I left that mental hurdle behind, it really opened doors. And I said, okay, Joe, I'm going to do my prospectuses as usual. Let's do the summer guide together. You know, I do about 100 players in the summer. Let's do that together. We'll put together something that uh, will each do all 75, 80, 100, whatever we choose. We'll each do those players. We'll put my assessment and your assessment on the same page with the bio at the top and a summary at the bottom. And we'll do a document and we'll sell it sell it at the end of summer. And it's kind of everybody's kickoff to the 2016 football season. And I love working with Joe. He was a, a, a treat to work with. Uh, he, he is a consummate professional as far as uh, the work ethic that he puts out. And he's very much like me where he, he's a film junkie first. And uh, it's funny because I had been doing it for two or three years watching him kind of struggle through the publishing hurdles and, and realizing, okay, there's there's watching the tape, but then putting it down and writing and formally, you know, this is no longer an Excel sheet where you got you know, two tabs on each guy with the strengths and weaknesses tab. Um, that growth for him, seeing that and, and seeing how well he did with that was very encouraging for me. And that's kind of the catalyst that led to me, uh, quote unquote, opening up the doors and, and building the team that we have around me now. I like it. No, yeah. Sometimes... Um doing something with a partner is much easier than doing it alone. I mean, that sounds stupid and, um, you know, intuitive, but the temptation sometimes is it's, it's a hard balance. I still find this in, in my career too. Like how much do you want to tie yourself to another person for something or how much mm -hmm. do you want to be your own thing? And, you know, I've got lucky, luckily for me, I've got a, like a multiple branches to my brand, some of which even include niche vegetables, but that's, you know, for a different, um, I am team Brussels sprouts, by the way. Oh, thank God. It's good to know you're part of the movement. Um, <laughs> as weird of a movement as this has become on my Twitter account. I seriously have no, like for, for people that listen that like, I've never seen me tweet about this. Like I've, I have no idea how the whole Brussels sprouts thing like really got started, but it's here. And sometimes you just got to move You just got to swim into the current. And uh, I'm certainly doing that with this whole thing. So that's, it's good to hear you're on my side on, on that issue. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's tying yourself to another person is totally different. And like you mentioned, kind of the, uh, the transition of like, all right, finding media avenues is much easier than finding NFL, uh, NFL team avenues Has your work kind of changed now that, um, that you're more at home in this side than necessarily pursuing things from an NFL perspective? Yeah, I think the, for me, the biggest thing is it's a different kind of pressure. Um, there's a certain pressure and feeling like you have to meet a certain standard to get somebody's attention on the NFL side. And, and as I had mentioned, I had had some uh, NFL folks who had approached me and said, oh, yeah, I've seen seen some of your stuff. Why don't you, you know, let's exchange emails and, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, that to date continues to be one of uh, my highlights is getting feedback from from somebody in a, a personnel department and uh, getting some very kind words from those individuals uh, but now it's more it's more in my realm because it's I know again it's going back to that first year I'm in control I know I'm in control I can put out content whenever I need to whenever I want to uh, I can control the pace of the content I don't have to frame it a certain way um, and with this, this new website that we've rolled out this year, uh, it's back to that film grind, but it's with writing and I, I'm not a writer at heart, so it's still new to me, but I'm finding myself getting into a rhythm with 
trying to put something out on a daily basis and, and framing it in something that's attractive for people to read using visual keys when it's appropriate. And uh, it, it's just that methodical approach, which has always been what I've kind of hung my hat on. Uh, you know, we've talked about in, in a number of different angles uh, in, in my past life, whether it's in football or outside of football. So uh, it's been a fun transition to get into. And it's it feels like this is the right direction based on you know, where we've come to to this point. Yeah, I think so many people don't realize the multiple hats that you have to wear, especially if you're starting your own website in terms of not only kind of controlling your own schedule, scheduling the content, but also, yeah, like administ like administratively running a website is just oh, it's a, awful. It's a pain. <laughs> it's it's terrible. A lot of people don't have the skills to do it. A lot of people don't even know what the hell they're doing. I barely know how to. <laughs> So like it's a pain and then also like you said managing people that is a whole that is a thing you do now that I'm sure you know that you might not have ever envisioned doing and then much less like just being able to kind of combine the film work with the writing which you say doesn't come naturally to you so it's a lot that goes into it that I think people don't know behind the scenes. Yeah and um, you know I was very fortunate with uh, the, the folks from FanRag Sports who we've entered this working relationship with. Uh, as of January, uh, you know, they, they developed the website for me. They put it on a tee. Uh, they called me up and they said, okay, carve out two hours and we're going to go through it. We're going to make sure you understand how everything works. We're going to make sure you understand the how and the why, how to post an article, how to get it to show up in search engines, uh, how to appropriately credit your photographs and the whole nine yards. So they made it very easy for me. I cannot even imagine trying to do something like what I have now designed now without having the guidance from, from folks that have done it for a very long time. Well, that's a great transition as we're kind of winding down here uh, with our time uh, to ask you kind of, you know, what's next for, for Kyle Krabs as the individual in the, in the industry for NDT scouting as a whole. Um, what's, what's, What's kind of your vision with all this? Where do you where are you hoping to um, end up with with all this? My perspective now, and it's kind of manifested in the folks that I've surrounded myself with, uh, Scott Bischoff, who you've had on here before, and just did a wonderful job telling his story. Uh, Joe Marino, uh, Elliot Christ, who's a young up and comer from uh, pro football focus background, and uh, John Ledyard. We just agreed to. Uh, this past week, he's with uh, Inside the Pylon, uh, had done some work with uh, USA Today's Draft Wire for about a year uh, prior to that. I'm seeing uh, your uh, I'm seeing your press release of that on the website there with yes. a, with a cute little picture of John. <laughs> yeah, we we have to give credit to uh, Trevor Sikema from Pewter Report because he trolled around with us at the combine and took pictures of us just like nonstop. Like oh, every time I turned around, Trevor Sikkim has got his camera up pointed at me. So uh, I got a couple stashed away, a couple keepers. So as I get excuses, you guys will get a chance to see those. Um, but the guys who I've surrounded myself with, they're guys that have all to some degree uh, have a, a working portfolio of their own that this is something that they do year round. And the draft right now is very much a – end of December through end of May product. But the work that goes in is year round. And my vision for this website, uh, we have uh, a premium product, which involves Joe Marino did his first 
draft guide this year. He, he did a scouting portfolio with the same 300 guys that I did. They're separate documents, but it's all part of one membership. You, you pay the, the rate, which is $20. It gives you 12 months of access to the site. We're going to have public and premium content going up on this website 12 months out of the year. And we want to be as transparent as we possibly can be. Now, our final reports and those things, that will be what the premium subscribers are getting and paying the access to. And then, of course, the, the draft prospectus and the draft portfolio uh, right before the, the upcoming draft. So folks that sign up now will get 2017 from both of us. Uh, that process and playing that out and having this team of guys where we've got six guys that, that will do this work year-round because they understand if you want to be – adequately prepared like truly adequately prepared you can't wait till december to start watching guys it's just not realistic and i think that we have a very specific niche market that we're trying to appeal to and reach those people that want to be knowledgeable on college football players who are going to be tomorrow's nfl players that's my vision for what we're doing and what we're building and and we hope that you guys will uh tag along for the ride with us so what about you as a, as an analyst? I mean, because this is, I mean, the the what you've just telling me sounds like so much more of a transi- transition than just from like like you know the beginning of uh, Kyle Krabs NFL draft analyst. Uh, this right. definitely sounds like some somebody running a business. Which to your credit, uh, you've you've really made a, a good transition there, including you've got the perfect like just completely self uh you know just shameless uh selling of your of your product on twitter with like what's the most like current relevant gif or whatever and how can i just like <laughs> shamelessly use that to plug no, my plug I, my work I, it's it's great I stuff had, i had the gauntlet thrown down i said you can send me any gif that's on the internet and i will find a way to frame it into a marketing tweet for ndt premium and uh i had about 15 or 20 responses that were uh, really tested my creative juices. Uh, so, so I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but for myself personally, um, uh, getting in with, with fan rag sports has been a tremendous opportunity for us because myself as an individual, I don't have the infrastructure and the resources that they do. Uh, and I understand you look at what the draft sphere is. You have, uh, the ESPN guys, Kuiper McShay, the NFL Network guys with uh, Mayock and Daniel Jeremiah and, and Bucky Brooks. Uh, you've got Matt Miller at Bleacher Report. You have Dane Brugler and Rob Rang over at CBS Sports. You have Josh Norris at NBC. Like That's it. Mm-hmm. Those are all the seats at the table. So if I want this to be something that I can solidify myself and legitimize myself, I'm working under the understanding that – a, going back to that very same theme, I have to do something different. And leading this project, leading this year-round product is what I'm aspiring is going to be my something different that's going to make me have a seat at the table. I'm, I'm working under the understanding that none of those guys are croaking tomorrow. No, Lord willing. I hope they're with us for a very, very long time because I have respect for all of them. I love the work that they all do. But – I'm going to have to build my own chair at the table. And that's what I want. That's my goal in leading this project and having these guys around me to help me do that. Uh, the Lord willing, that that's where we're going to go. And that's where you're going to see me is I want to be one of those premier names in the draft media realm. And if I have to do it all by myself, I'll do it all by myself. I love it. 
that's a great great perspective to have and a great final answer to the question um so Kyle, I really want to thank you for your your time today, uh, everything that you've shared, whether it being uh, your plans for the future or the Mike Evans story of the past. A lot of it, I think, if people, especially if you're trying to get into the draft game, um, even just that last sobering message of, like, there's not a lot of seats at the table unless you build one out of scratch, uh, is really important if, if people want to be um, draft analysts. It's important things to hear. So, But final question, and I do this for everybody on the show, um, I always give the guest one last shot at the floor before I yank it out from under you to kind of say um, whatever you want before we get out of here. So, Kyle, floor is yours. I would just say for anybody that, that wants to do this, um, first of all, don't take yourselves too seriously. Uh, have, some fu- ha- have some fun with it. Uh, the first year and a half, I was very straight-laced and um, – one, again, once I kind of conceded, you know, NFL is probably not going to be your meal ticket. Kind of loosened up a little bit, had some more fun, had some fun with people that were having fun at my expense. Um, you know, you got to have personality, too, because if you're going to you know, make it in this sphere, you can't just be a cookie cutter, a robot. So uh, that's been one of the big changes for myself this past year is uh, kind of just letting loose and, and being more of myself and stop trying to be uh todd mcshay or, or mike mayock on screen because outside of that you know that's only a, a very small window into who they are as analysts and who they are as people so uh, don't take yourself too seriously have fun with it uh, and find something that differentiates yourself because it's the only true way that you're going to be able to carve something out if it's really truly what you want to do uh for for now or for the rest of your life that's that's great advice uh awesome stuff from kyle there um well kyle again thanks for everything uh thanks for the time today and everybody listening out there thank you so much for giving us uh, your most valuable asset which is your time your attention um it really is an honor to do this podcast for uh not only to get get to get to talk with so many great guests but also that you guys are actually out there listening uh it's, it's quite a treat as we roll on through season two and as we keep rolling on through season two um i just want to uh, encourage uh, to encourage you guys to share the show rate and review on iTunes uh, whatever platform that you listen on um, we'll continue to put this show out as, as long as it seems like people are receptive and uh, and gaining something from it and I think that can certainly be said uh, based on what we've seen the last few weeks so uh, for everyone out there listening thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you learned something today Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.